It was in prison for 13 years. I go, it's not a big deal. She goes, they don't send people to prison for 13 years because it's not a big deal. And I mean, she's like really loud. I'm like, I went to Match.com. I went to Tinder. Like I get kicked off with three different dating apps. They go to a baseball game. He gets drunk. They go back to her place. And the next morning, her car and her are missing. But her phone, purse, wallet, everything's at her house. This guy that she had been dating for a month was homeless, an alcoholic, got drunk, killed her, drowned her in her bathtub, chopped up her body. And so based on the rapper, he was able to look up certain like delis in New York City that had that specific rapper. Google imaged all of the restaurants, found the specific one that he was sitting in, and he was able to say, you are at this exact restaurant, and then he walked 100 feet across the street to sit and eat it at this spot. I think people in general, if they're if they're sharp, they can fool you. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I'm such a huge believer in intuition. Yeah. Something doesn't feel right. It's not right. Like, like something's wrong. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm going to be doing an interview with Courtney Bell and Jillian Lee Garner, and they have a podcast called I Met My Murder Online. Check out the interview. I listened to um, uh, the episode, uh, the last episode, and, you know, it seemed, it's funny. It, it seemed really good. Like it's, it's heavily, well, it's not super heavily edited because I didn't hear any, you know, it was really edited well because you do, in, there are interviews with, with different, um, what do you want to call subjects or witnesses or, or, yeah. um, yeah. Or participants. Right. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have, you know, psychologists and, um, lawyers come on different attorneys from the case um yeah but we try to get as many different opinions about it and perspectives as possible and in order to get as much detail too right the victim's husband because yeah victims has you know jillian and i are the experts we are the ones sharing the story with the audience and we are weighing in essentially in our goal is to weigh in in real time so we can give our thoughts as to what we would do differently, what we want to do to our future to keep ourselves safe, rather than trying to present this as something that we are incredibly knowledgeable about and know what what could have been, you know, specifics done. We're just sharing the story, right? Um, so I have a question. So how did this all kind of come about? Like, well, maybe first, um, I'm sorry. Uh, Jillian, how did how did you end up? I guess what are you you both in LA? Yes, I'm born and raised in LA. Courtney's from Michigan, and we met in college together. And then I actually, so I met my murder online started as a TV show, and I was actually one of the reenacting actors on said TV show. And about a year after I filmed my episode, which was actually meredith's episode i was the reenacting actor for playing meredith um 
And so about a year after I filmed that, I was reached out to because they wanted to take the podcast in a different direction. And um, they wanted it to just be less NPR, more conversational, a little bit of banter. And I said, I have the perfect person. And it is Courtney Bell. And she is absolutely fantastic. And she's just been a joy to be a partner with. It's been I hate to say fun because it's really hard stories, but to go through this, I wouldn't want anyone else by my side. <laughs> well, Courtney, how did you two meet? God, how we, I mean, we were in theater school together. So I feel like part of being in theater school together is you're thrown into a uh, massive, you know, having 80 friends all in one day. So I can't remember the exact day that we met because Jill is two years younger than me, but I feel like we had an instant connection right when we got there. Like, And, and Jillian is truly one of the most talented actors I have ever seen perform in my life. Like, look her up, you guys, and watch her things and follow her. Um, so I was really drawn to her because I was like, this is a person that I can learn from. You know, so I was so grateful when she reached out to me just so we have, can have something else to work on together. Yeah. Um, but so why i i understand so you were you were kind of you know thrust into this or it was but well we were asked to audition basically right mm -hmm. okay but i mean it kind of just kind of came about right like it, it you didn't it wasn't like you said hey i've got a great idea for a podcast no because the know. podcast was already right up -made. it was already happening they just decided to take it in a different direction um and yeah, and and they they reached out to me. Right. So I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of thrust upon you, like you. Yeah. It was a, a serendipitous moment. You could right. say. Yeah. Were you, yeah. Were you, were the both of you already interested in true crime at all, or? Well, I work in podcasting, so okay. I was kind of already in the space. So I think they just kind of connected dots and was like, Jillian knows the show. Jillian knows the podcast space. Jillian might be able to make this a good show and Jillian knows the perfect person to in a long um so yeah it, it was a very serendipitous kismet moment um and I jumped at the opportunity as did Courtney because this is we're, we're the target audience we're the exact people that need to hear these stories need to learn from these stories and that kind of what we're trying to do is to have it be the audience just like our friends like we have these conversations with our friends constantly did you send me uh your location oh can you send me whose uber you're taking like can you let me know when you're home like these are all daily practices and we just kind of want to tell these stories to a broader audience um because 4.76 billion people use social media. Like about 60% of the world's population is using social media now. So it's just more prevalent than ever to make sure that we're safe and we're cautious and we're aware. Is it, is it like three out of five or two out of five relationships are now started through dating apps? Something like that. Wow. I mean, my best friend last year married her husband and they met on Tinder. Yeah. Yeah, I hear it more and more every day. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the actual statistic is. I know it's high. I was like, wow, that's like, you know. Yeah. And it's it, climbing. 
I was going to say initially I had heard it and it was like, this is a few years ago. It was like 25% or maybe one third. And then recently I think it was like, I don't know what it was. It was even higher. And I was like, that's higher than, than it was a few years ago. Like, this- yeah. And I think it'll just keep climbing. But yeah, the unfortunate well, truth is, and Jillian, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it's uh, we have it's around, uh, it's over ten thousand abductions happen every year through dating apps, and thousands of sexual assaults just in the United States have happened with the rise of dating apps. So of course, you know, there is so much beauty to not only dating apps, but having Instagram, having um and only fans is wonderful having access to getting apartments you're getting you know new tools on craigslist but there's also this other side of now we're trying to figure out how to keep people safe while we watch this thing kind of grow out of control yeah that's true Sixteen thousand abductions and sexual assaults from dating apps in the past like in just in the u.s and did you okay i mean so like you know try and stay vigilant like is that part of the part of the episodes that you kind of talk about that or yeah i'd say every episode kind of has something new to learn like pop mm-hmm. smoke he was killed because he posted he accidentally posted his address along with all of well he accidentally posted his address while he was purposefully posting all of the material objects he had just bought on rodeo drive and his trip to la and uh, so it, you know, that episode would teach the audience like, I should not post my address. I should lock the Airbnb I'm in if it allows. Um, there, there's just so many different things. Whereas like with Janae Gagne's story, you know, she was an OnlyFans um, person, persona. You, you, Pers- yeah, creator. I don't know. Oh, and she like her address was found through gift giving. And so, and so it just, it, I would say every episode kind of talks about a different aspect of how to be safe using social media or just the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever see um, uh, My Favorite Murder? I know it. Yes. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. It's, um, there are two. I, I don't know what happened to it. They were everywhere maybe three, four years ago. They were they were huge. I don't really hear about them anymore. It's one of the top podcasts. Is it? Yeah. Okay. My podcast. Yeah. I thought it could still find it. Yeah, it I mean I'm I'm no doubt. I just I just remember it was just everywhere a couple of years ago. It was the, the two comedians that um talk about their favorite uh favorite <laughs> it's so their favorite murders. Uh, but they are they are honestly hilarious when yeah. when they're talking about it. Um, but I, I want to say what do you know what the statistic is for women that or for women that watch true crime? It, it, it's it's like outrageous. It's like seventy percent or something. Oh yeah, of women that watch. Yeah, I think you're like. Um... 35 to 55 female is like the main target audience. Wow. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. It, it, I would it, think. Oh, sorry. You go. No, no, go ahead. I just, it's, just, it's silly, but I saw a post the other day. It was a conversation from a therapist that was basically explaining if you were a person 
who sits down at night and you're where relaxing is listening to a crime podcast or watching a crime documentary, you should see a therapist. Like that is one of the initial things for them that they would be like, this is a diagnosable thing because you should not find comfort in stress. And that brings yeah. means you grew up in a really stressful environment and we need to talk about your anxiety levels and how to manage them because that is not normal. You know, I blame, I blame late night TV because I feel like when I was growing up, if I wanted to fall asleep with the TV on, it was NCIS. It was Law and Order SVU. <laughs> it was just like the most brutal murder. And I'm just like, so I think I think we're a certain generation where it's like we're just so um, desensitized to it, I think. And that's even to say that now we can have comedic true crime podcasts. Like, I think that says something to to society. I wonder why women are so attracted to that, because so. um, Take, you know, uh, my podcast, I mean, I'm I, I don't. I don't, I seriously doubt that you guys have ever seen my podcast, but so let me give you the, the, the skinny is basically I talk about just crimes, but like, I'd say 99% of the crimes are, are crimes like, you know, bank robbery or fraud. Most of it's fraud related, uh, or someone who was ripping off ATM machines or it, it's, it's 99% is and none of them are, are violent. Like I, I think I've had I one. Like time. Well, I wouldn't. I don't know about petty. There's there are millions oh, yeah, of dollars. Oh, I guess yeah, well, you know, or even even bank robber. Like I, these aren't. Oh yeah, that. What you know. So, uh, I think I've had one guy on that uh, that killed someone, but oh. it, it was it was a justified homicide. What it was the guy attacked him in his own house, and oh, he's yeah, self defense. Right. And he, he had a, he had a weapon and he shot him, you know, and, and they, they did, they arrested the guy and it was like two years before they finally just dropped the charges. He was like, wow, take me to trial or this guy attacked me in my own house Yeah, and I shot him. I mean, that's, that is absolute, um, stand your ground. There's no way a jury in Florida is going or in South you know I mean? Carolina. That's a constitutional right. You have. Right. So, but you know, it was a new prosecutor and whatever. So, uh, he, Anyway, it, it was a great podcast. So, but other than that, it's mostly crimes that are more thought out. And as a, and I don't know as a result of that or not, I don't know what the reason is, but the makeup of the people that watch my podcast, it's like 93 to 95% male. Interesting. Is that not? I, you know, I will say, I think it makes sense to me. To me, in some sense, obviously, I'm just theorizing here. I have absolutely no fact to base this off of. But as a woman, you have to be so hyper vigilant, unfortunately, living in this country. Like, you know, I know when I walk down the street, when I get out of my car at 9 p.m., even if I am, you know, only parking one block away, I pull out my um, my pepper spray. And it's the neighborhood that I live in that I know that I'm comfortable with. If I'm out walking my, you know, my roommate, the time kind of dog, I'm making sure that I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm making sure that I'm not being followed home. I'm making sure that when I stand in a hotel room, I bring a lock with me, to an additional lock to put on my door because I have to travel a lot for acting work. And Damn, you don't send me that Amazon link. It will. It's like $15 and you don't know where you're staying. 
And it's it's more common than you would think of people breaking into home uh, hotel rooms because for whatever reason, I guess it's a little bit more accessible because there's so many people in and out. And so I wonder how much of uh, the reason behind so many women watching or listening to these crime podcasts is because we're already prone to being a little bit more anxious and therefore concerned about what can I do to make sure that I'm keeping myself safe in the situation that I would have even never expected would have been dangerous. Whereas I think men have a little bit more privilege of walking, you know, walking around with like less concern about being taken in the middle of the night. Yeah, I think it's also interesting that like women love true crime, but for your podcast specifically, where it's not about being killed, it's not about being followed, like maybe, and again, I'm just theorizing, but maybe females are like, I mean, I'm not going to rob a bank. Like, I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm not <laughs> Randy didn't know this. I don't need this information. Yeah, I don't need this information. Like, <laughs> like, rob a bank here. Like, yeah. um, but, but they do need to know about, oh, this girl's husband cheated and then the wife killed her and her son. Like, that's... Yeah. Certain, like, I was listening to that whole thing. I was like, if I had a beef with anybody... It's the husband. I know. He's gotta go. And he's yeah. fine. Right. He's like Scott free. Well, he, what 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 kills me and, and I was thinking to myself, okay, so by the way, you know that most women when they murder someone, it's by poisoning. Yes, I did know that. She got a gun. So it's not like, first of all, you could have poisoned him. Secondly, you didn't even do that. You went with a weapon. You could have shot him. Like this guy. Like, it wasn't like, well, look, no, no, she had the opportunity. No, she created the opportunity. She always had the opportunity to harm him. But she loved him. So he he needs to stay alive because I love him. He needs. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because I've listened to all of Janair's video diaries. She left so, like, tens and tens of video diaries that her husband found. And I listened to them. And they are so heartbreaking because it's hard to hear a murderer kind of justify herself or try to justify herself but there's also the added layer of this woman was in a 25 year marriage and she Mm -hmm. thought she was deeply in love like she was like this is the love of my life huh yeah i'm sure she was deeply exactly and so i think for her it was easier for her to think about I am going to take away everything that could make him happy rather than I'm going to take away his life because I think she loved him too much to kill him but wanted to hurt him in a way that would last forever. And I hate to say it, but I feel like this is a pretty common thing in society no matter what gender you are. Like if you, I've seen guys watch their girlfriends talking to another guy and the guy immediately is like hey what are you doing like back away from my girl and she's like i was actually just going to like grab a you know i was going to the bar to grab a drink and this guy started talking to me but i think it is a lot easier to blame the person who you feel is a threat to you than the person that you love yeah that's true yeah that's funny i i i i never really think of the other person i like if my girlfriend was flirting with or seeing someone else i've never really up that guy's gotten he has no obligation to me i know and i mean i yeah this is a big problem that i have with 
I'd say my female friends in general, even myself, when I was cheated on at 18, like I was a kid, but it, it, it was like you hated the girl. You hated the other person because it was like, how dare you do that? When in reality, like I should just hate him, which yeah. I learned later. But that is it, it's an interesting first instinct that a lot of females I've noticed have of I, I do. I, I would want to push back on that just a little bit because I do find that it's common for men too. I think maybe it's just handled a little bit differently. If I, I don't think like maybe I was the first thinking, instinct is like fight, but you know, like, uh, but I was just it, speaking it, for know. myself. No, most, no, no, of course, of course. I notice most guys do the exactly that. They, they yeah. think, oh man, that guy or that guy, I'm like, yeah. that guy, that guy's got, he just, this was a pretty girl in the bar he talked to. Like, yeah. What does this guy care about your relationship? I didn't even know you. Yeah. Like that girl, like, she didn't care about me and like I shouldn't expect her to care about me. I should be pissed at my boyfriend or my right. husband. Like yeah, but but I get that of like but I love him so much. I don't I don't want I'm going to project my that hate onto someone else. So that's the that's I the chicken that absolutely been there. I would rather be bad at like the seven girls that my boyfriend cheated on me with than my boyfriend who cheated on me. It doesn't make any sense on wow. outside, but when it's- you're in it yeah, I think it's so yeah, hard in it because it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be like the person yeah. I love that loves me. She like you don't want to be like, oh, I'm I'm done. Like he lied to me. I didn't see that. Like that's harder to yeah. deal with than well, fuck that bitch. Like you know what I mean? It's that it's it's the woman in the trailer park talking to the police officer, and they, he says you got to file charges. He's beating you up, and she's like, but I love him. But he is beating you up. He's gonna kill you. I know. It's yeah, hard. It's, people are, oh, are. Love is the most complicated part of being human. I agree. Mm. It's stressful. Let's cut it out. Let's just stop. <laughs> Let's just we should stop. just marry our friends. <laughs> no, I think that would be too hard to. No. I'm gonna marry. Yeah. I'm gonna stay home. Cut out romanticism. Yeah, like, like we're partners financially, and that's it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. So what? How, where are you coming up with these stories? So we're lucky where we have a team, and it was a TV show before. Uh, but the thing about this podcast is that it's all online, right? So all of the crimes have to be from like the past ten years, basically. And whereas other true crime podcasts, you know, they can go to the 70s or the late 80s and like just find they have just so much just a treasure trove of of crimes. Um, whereas with us, it, it kind of has to be a little more delicate because they're very recent. And um, yeah, so we're kind of always have our eyes and ears out. Which, Jillian, you just explained that so much better than I did right when we started the podcast. Like, cut that out because that was terrible. <laughs> Not what you said, what I said, but exactly. We we are provided, um, we are provided the stories of these people's tragic murders. But at least for me, I was not a person who um, consistently listened to crime podcasts. I'd be more likely to listen to a survival podcast from somebody who was like trapped in the wilderness for three weeks or survived um, being stabbed like some i just like i need something hopeful and so our podcast we really try to differentiate ourselves of having a slightly more npr-esque approach with having you know as we discussed before people from the actual 
crime speaking or having other people with different expertise coming in while still having the conversational element of, you know, telling the story rather than coming in of like, this is something that happened 60 years ago and this is really fascinating to us. Like, no, we really want to make sure we're coming from a place of what can we do to help keep our listeners safe. Okay. Um, that's just for some reason, it just reminds me of people watch my podcast all the time and they're always like, you know, you're, you're so inspiring. And I'm like, really? I'm not trying to be inspiring. No, like you're picking up. You're like, I'm a dude in a soundproof room. What? I, not, I'm just talking. You're to so guys. brave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it's funny because you're going to, if you just listen to any story, you know, you're going to, like anybody who's listening to those, listen, the guy in that podcast and his girlfriend or mistress, whatever, yeah. never saw that coming, you know? You know, to me, it's like, hey, this could go bad. Like I'm in a situation that's similar to that. And and I don't see this happening. You know, like like this is uh, that's that's something that you just would never contemplate. She's not threatening. She's not saying I'm going to kill you. She's not. He doesn't know she's bought a gun. He doesn't know any of this is happening. He's thinking it's an amicable, you know, contentious yet amicable divorce on a relationship that didn't work out. So, so I, I think you always have to be kind of, you know, hyper vigilant. Just listening to the story alone, people are going to come up with, Hey, I need to be concerned about that. Yes. Yes. And I was going to make a point where if, if even one person is listening to our podcast and is like, Oh, I'm about to go on a trip. Maybe I shouldn't post the Airbnb I'm at or, Oh, I know that the person I'm with is married. Maybe I should end this. Or like, mm-hmm. like if one person can listen to these and change their life in the slightest way just to be a little safer, then we did our jobs. 100%. Um, I, was, I have a friend who never tells anybody when he goes on vacation. He'll tell you when he got back. Yeah. That's good. What if I get robbed? And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't have friends that you think would rob you. That's right. So have you thought about that? And he's like, I guess. Yeah. I've never thought about it in the other direction because I'm always thinking, what if something bad happens to me on vacation and then no one knows that I'm there? But mm, right. Yeah, I guess I do see the other thing. Maybe not wanting to publicize that you're gone. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference between let me text my friends and tell them I'm going to be gone. Can you water my plants or something? And posting on Facebook or Instagram or all of your followers being like, I'm in Hawaii and my own empty. Like, I think I think the problem is that uh, people want to share everything immediately and get the likes and the views and they love it because it's in our it boosts our serotonin and now we're just addicted to it. And I think that addiction feeds our urge to post immediately when we really don't have to. You can still get those views. You can still get those likes if that's what you're chasing when you post it when you're back. Like we, I think we are so used to immediate gratification now that um, we just need to realize that it doesn't matter. Social media can be fake. You can pretend that you were on your vacation last weekend now. Like it's okay. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'll, I'm constantly looking at like the YouTube, like, um, the, you know, just the posts and, you know, how they're doing and that sort of thing. And last night I was actually laying, you know, and, and it is, it does make you feel good. You know, you does, it, it's definitely, I mean, obviously that's everybody knows, knows that, but you know, knowing it and stopping yourself from doing it are two different things, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a conscious effort. And I do it not good so instinctively like i'm just i don't even realize i'm doing it and i last night i was laying in bed and i remember my wife leaned over to me and looked at me and she goes put your phone down and i just went oh wow we've been doing that at my my households if if we're watching three together we'll be like be present be present she said she was you're picking it up she has nothing changed from five minutes ago and i was like true you're right Unless they tell That's the people, oh my chat. There's a lot of people we in need it. That's yeah. a lot. Like, then you want to know who are they? Like, yeah. it's hard. I know it's hard. It's hard to not look at it first thing too when you first wake up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because it can ruin your whole day. It could just you could wake up, see one text, and be like, oh my god, anxiety wave. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would not know the, I've not memorized the terms about this in any way, but I know like whatever you wake up with your, uh, your nervous system, whatever state that you're in within the first five minutes of waking up is how the rest of your day will go because your body has to fight to regulate from that mm-hmm. moment on. Yeah, and if you, you give are. yourself five minutes to just deep breathe in the morning or just stretch in the morning, like something to regular regulate yourself. Before you yep. dive into social media is apparently really beneficial. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not doing that. That's not what's happening. It's you got to try. It's you like I'm stretching before I'm stretching. <laughs> I used to do it, but I would wake up with so many text messages, and I feel like as a person who I feel like a lot of my friends go to me for emotional support because I love talking about feelings, so I do the same. I will wake up with like seven text messages of people saying please call me the moment you wake up i just like i had a really bad night and i'm like okay i have to do this 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 and this and this today but i have to call this friend this friend and this friend and they'll be mad at me if i don't make time for them but i have to make time for all i was like yeah. nope <laughs> that's not how you work and then it's like five o'clock and you haven't called them yet and you're like oh my god and then they're ready then they're exactly. at i'm like my phone no one sees me my phone you will not hear from me until 9.30 a.m. And I, unless you're paying me, I don't feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. But women are vastly different than guys. I mean, guys are, you know, bro, if somebody said I'm feeling vulnerable or something to me, I'd be like, rub some dirt in it, bro. What are you yeah. doing? I literally saw a commercial yesterday. It was for a car company. I can't remember what car. But it was like four guys in the car. One's getting married and they're like, on, they're like his groomsmen. So they're on the way to his wedding. So they get in the car and like his best man's driving and he's in the passenger seat. And they're like, oh, this will be so fun. And he's like, do you have the ring? And his best friend's like, yeah, of course. He's like, OK, cool. And then he like goes on his phone and then he like goes on his phone for a second and then puts it down. And then all the guys in the car get a text and it's a group chat saying, I love you guys. And then they're like, oh, buddy. And they go and like pat his shoulders up. And I'm like, wait, you couldn't say that. <laughs> so loud. You have to text them in the same 
That's so sad. That's so well, sad. Be surprised how many of my guy friends are the ones texting me in the morning. And it's because they don't want anybody else to know. <laughs> it's like, because you're so right, they would never go to their other guy friends about it. So, it's sad. I was like, that's the saddest commercial I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. Um, I, have, uh, I was going to say, I, I went, I did a speaking engagement uh, recently, and I was in the airport, and I have a friend named, um, was his name's Isaac, but everybody calls him Zach. Anyway, um, he was texting me, and I, I texted him, and he was like, how was it, bro? Like, if you need to call me and, you know, decompress or, you know, whatever, and I text him back, I go, decompress? What are you talking about? That was a good friend. That's a really good friend. And Why he's not going to feel comfortable doing that again? <laughs> so funny um uh, oh god he he kills me um you need to be more vulnerable with that right i do listen the, the, the problem is my wife is not a touchy feely person at all she's <laughs> very much like if i if i were to say i don't know i'm just feeling depressed. like if i woke up and I, she's like you all right and i was like i just i don't know i just feel depressed like probably every couple of months i get into a little bit of a slump I was still depressed this morning. She will say, well, rub some dirt in it. You got to do this today and that today. She's like, you could be depressed later. Oh, okay. Just kidding. Me and your wife are not the same. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> like, sad. come on. I'm like, love to have sad days. Listen, my, my wife works as a marine mechanic. So she works on boat engines all day. Oh, my God. Oh, she grew up, I mean, she grew up with like, well, no, she does have a sister. She just has, well, it's a very male dominated field. Yeah. 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 She, no, everything about her whole existence is yeah. uh, male dominated. How does she feel about this missing submarine? I haven't even asked her. It's funny. I talked to, uh, I, I, I had a buddy that runs a podcast who was like, bro, have you heard about this? He's like, how horrible is that situation? I think they have like 20 hours left of oxygen. I don't know where they are and yeah, they're here. Yeah. And like now the only thing that they can do is like here for them. So just hoping that they're like banging on it. What? Yeah. We have to find the like whales find each other. I'm not. So I don't, I, you, I don't need any adventure in my life. They paid $250,000 each. And there's a father and a son. That's one family, half a million dollars dying in the ocean under the and the worst case scenario is that they're trapped in the titanic they're they made it all the way down well it's the bottom of the ocean oh my god contact an hour and a half into an eight-hour voyage so they could have made it down there we have no idea we we don't know i mean we don't know but the worst well, I mean, case scenario is they went down there they were like oh well let's just look anyway and then got trapped and now they're Dying where thousands of people died. See, this is the kind of thing where I'm not my day opening my phone because that gives me so much anxiety. I'm like, I need to breathe before that, like, before that pops up, that Google notification pops up. My I can't handle it. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm doing all right compared to those people. Like, I'm doing okay. I I don't know to work. I don't need to be out of the ocean. I just don't, I don't need to climb Mount Everest and see all the dead bodies that I pass. Like I just don't need to do those 
I also don't really need to get on a roller coaster. I don't need to bungee jump. That's just me. But okay. like, my, I like those things. <laughs> my perfect adventurous day is trying a new food and getting a massage. Like that's that is what no. I that is no. what I need from life. No submarine. No. Not like not even a fun. Also, my friends aren't allowed to do that either. Like if I have a friend who tells me that that's something that they want out of their lives or to go to outer space and like it was so nice knowing you, but I can't have second anxiety thinking about where you're at. I can't, like I can't, I can't do it. You can't really do anything though. Don't, don't ever change your mind on that, please. I won't. Honey, Bono was skiing and he died. I don't do that either. I don't ski either. <laughs> it's not happening for me. Yeah. Um... Let me hear you. So, oh, I can tell you guys a funny story really quick. Um, last, we were, uh, Courtney and I have been talking about how parents will put, um, like, it's graduation season, right? Mm-hmm. And so, all these parents yes. on the front lawns are posts, are like putting up banners being like, Congratulations, Michaela, on graduating from this specific high school and going to this specific college. It's like, oh, so now they have. Your child's name, school, address, like photo, photo, awesome. And my mom listened to an interview that we did talking about that and just sent me the banner she made for me doing the exact same thing. <laughs> did you not remember that? No, I was eight, I was like 17, 18. I was like, what, nine years, eight years? I can't oh, hear you. Here we go. Yeah. Oh my God. Your interview reminded me that I made a banner for your graduation, not knowing that it could be unsafe when I posted it on social media. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think any of us thought about that in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people are thinking about it now. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure what I would do with that information, but. Uh, yeah, but I hear you. Yeah. I guess if you were some kind yeah, of lawyer, that you're a good person if you're not thinking too deeply about what you would do with that information. Yeah, I mean, you're not, you know. I don't know about that, but I hear you. Um, I hope you wouldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, so I have a question. You guys, do you have, do you, you, you don't know, you haven't watched my podcast or anything, right? Not, no, not yet. No. Okay. So, um, so do you know why I do a podcast on true crime? You were involved past in the past in a past life, and oh, yes, a few years ago. A few years ago, I just got out of prison about three, four, about four years ago. Damn. I don't yeah. know why that I, I don't know why I feel I like that was a fact that I registered when we were meeting last week and then this week I've just uh, Yeah, I did like thirteen years in federal prison for bank for for bank fraud. Yeah. Well, then, to be blunt, you caught yeah. people, right? Um, I mean it's basically it was banks, but yeah, that's certainly part of it. That's cool. Um well I mean how how would I put this? Respect. <laughs> that's cool. I mean like it's banks. Thank it's- God for people like her. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so you know. someone like i don't know it's a bank oh, i hurt someone's feelings once um yeah. so a few times 
maybe a few people. <laughs> so, it, you know, I, I, I do like the con man thing. I used to shy away from that, but I, I think that's a very general, a, a general term, and I think it applies. It definitely applies. Sure. You know, so because it, there's certain, uh, certainly, an amount of like you know conning in it. You know, you have to go up somebody you have to give them a fake name you have to convince them that you work somewhere you don't work and that this is what you intend to do with the money and have them show you the house or rent the house or do whatever it is so you're certainly interacting with people but ultimately the goal is to borrow money from uh a bank you know to get a bank to lend you three hundred thousand dollars or whatever it may be right right and you know but that that typically i i always think of that's more to me a, a like a fraudster someone who pre- presents them with fraudulent documents. But, you know, so it initially starts with like a con, but ultimately to get the bank to lend the money, you have to provide them with false documents. But all, all of it has to make sense. So, but, you know, when the when my booking agent mentioned this to me and was talking about the online dating, <clears throat> so it reminded me that when I got out of prison, and before I started dating my wife, you know, there was a period of time, maybe six or eight months where I was dating different women. Well, I actually wasn't dating them because I went online. I went to match.com. I went to Tinder and I went to, oh, what was the other one that kicked me off? Like I got kicked off with three different dating apps because and because I was saying, hey, my name's Matt Cox. I'm currently I, I'm a true crime writer. I'm also an artist. Like I, this was before I started the podcast or anything. I just gotten out of prison, and so I went online and I was very honest with everybody. Yeah. And at one point, so I went on. I had a few different dates. It, initially, when I was very honest, I was getting the you know you go back and forth a little bit over the course of a day or two, and then it's like, hey. I was like, hey, by the way, you know, you get to the point where it's like, hey, the, you want to meet the person. Like, yeah. look, this is great, but we should probably meet for Starbucks or something because, you know, having a, a a little, you know, text message relationship is really not what I'm interested in. I'd like to meet you. And then they're like, you know, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, look, but before we meet, I, I should probably tell you that I recently got out of prison. And I would just, you know, very briefly give them a very brief synopsis and I'm more than happy to go into any of it with you. Uh, and they would go, wow, listen, I actually had this happen one time. One of the women said, listen, that honesty is going to go a long way with me. And I really appreciate you saying that up front. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, never heard from her again. Like, oh. <laughs> and I remember thinking, wow, like she didn't have to respond at all. She could have just, you know, right. walked me. But she actually went and wrote this nice text message and completely uh, so that happened multiple times so then i saw i decided i a girlfriend of mine at the time was like listen stop telling stop being honest with these women just you let them you need to meet them first and then tell them meet them go on a couple dates with them and i was like that's never gonna work because they know my name they're gonna she's like no they only know your name is you know matthew i was like it doesn't matter at at dinner they're gonna ask my name I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell them my name. They're going to Google me. If they like me at all, they're going to Google me. Well, they're going to Google you to find out your Zodiac sign. So yeah. Well, for a garden. 
coming up. They're just going to be like, wait, this is not just like Zodiac. <laughs> but maybe you're still a perfect match and it's worth sticking around. Well, listen, I am. I, oh, I am, but I met my wife. Did you tell her when you first met her? Mm. She figured it out because we met in the halfway house. Oh. Oh. Right. Okay. She just, she had just done five years in federal prison. Okay. Cool. So, but there was, like I said, there was that six months. She'd gotten out of the halfway house before me. Mm-hmm. And although we kept in contact because we flirted in the halfway house. Cute. But she got out very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, th- and there's a huge age difference. There's like 18 years difference between the two of us. Mm-hmm. So she's way younger than me. And and so I, I didn't, you know, think that much about it. Like I, I, I did think about it, but I, she also, you know, she also had made several cracks and I thought, eh, this is never going to happen. You know, this is probably not going to happen. So anyway, that one girl that I went on a date with, I went on a date with her and maybe 10 minutes into the date this. So I met a girl, we ended up going on a date. I didn't tell her 10 minutes into the date, you know, things seemed pretty good. And I said, Hey, listen, I said, I want to, I feel weird not saying this, but I've had a bad, a couple of bad experiences. So I want to go ahead and mention this real quick. I said, not a big deal. It, you know, I said, but I said, I, you know, I do have kind of a past. Like I, I, I recently got out of prison and, and I said, you know, a few months ago, I'm kind of starting my life over again, but I want to be honest about that. And I said, it was just bank fraud. And she goes, she goes, you just got out of prison. And I went, yeah, I just got out of prison. And she was, she was for bank fraud. She was, how long were you in prison? And I went, it was in prison for 13 years. I go, it's not a big deal. She goes, they don't send people to prison for 13 years because it's not a big deal. And I mean, she's like really loud. I'm like, around like this. What are you? Like, okay, you know, and she's like, I mean, I said, okay, well, it's really not a big deal. It's just bank fraud. It's just bank fraud. They sent you to prison. It must be a big deal. And I was like, well, I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I mean, but I'm saying it's not like I, it's not like I was driving around with someone's body in the trunk of my car. And she's like, I mean, listen, she got so loud after about two minutes of this. I, I said, you know what? I said, we're done. We're done here. And I, and I said, I said, I, I'm obviously, I said, well, I'm not bouncing back from this. And I said, and you're, you're really not handling this well. Yeah. So you did 13 years of prison. You don't need someone to write more on it. Like that's not. Yeah. I, I had, so like I said, I had a couple of bad experiences and then had a couple of, I really had nothing but bad experiences. Anyway, at the same time I ended up doing a podcast and, um, you know, like things drastically changed, you know, they started going the other way. And I, and I went on, ended up going on a date with that, with, uh, my wife now, and we started dating and that worked out and everything was great, you know, but the dating thing was horrible. The online dating thing was horrible. It's yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective because you didn't grow up with dating apps. You experienced it before and you experienced after, um, and like you're a man. So most of like what I hear from dating apps um, is like from my female friends. I'm curious to, yeah, to hear what you thought. Oh yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's, it's rough because these, you know, I, I what you know that like women, men swipe that they, like they're, that men are. It's all 
All right. Yeah, interested, interested, interested. And women are like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's like, wow, like this is, this is rough. But yeah, it was just very, um, I, I think that women, they're, they're, they have a, they really, there's really a high bar, really a high bar that I just don't, I don't know who's, who's meaning that bar. <laughs> and the idea that, you know, the, the whole, and then the whole felon thing, like I have so many, there's so, there were so many strikes against me. Like I got to a point at one point, I remember I was talking to my friend Stacy and I said, honestly, I said, I am seriously considering making a fake Instagram page, a fake uh, Facebook page and using a completely different name, no. all new pictures, all new no and and that's what she said she said now don't do it don't do it i said look i said it's, it's that bad yeah that's yeah. and and she was like yeah but ultimately if i if that girl likes you she goes and then a month down the line you tell her that she goes, she's gonna be so hurt i'm like it doesn't matter i'm never gonna get there to begin with yeah i mean so. that's the thing of like the right person won't care or the right the right person will know how to handle it mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean i've not had luck on dating apps at all yeah so. because i did i want to check in because jillian you had a meeting at one i don't know if you saw my text you used my, to uh, my my phone my my car got canceled okay yeah was it like a online dating thing they canceled so it's my client <laughs> my client canceled but yeah i uh the scary thing is that a uh, recent statistic showed that 10% of sex offenders use dating sites. So that's something because it's not like you're on hinge and there's it says drinking, yes, smoking, no, conviction, yeah. Ellen, and like, it's just they don't specify. But well, sex offenders too, you can look, it's very easy to look them up assuming they're using the, the right name. Well, For yeah. And also, these are like only the sex offenders that have admitted to using dating sites. So that statistic is probably a lot higher. Not a lot higher, but significantly. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's it, and one of our newer podcast episodes, um, it speaks about a woman who was divorced. She was 40 years old, had three kids, and she joined a dating app. She joined OkCupid and started dating this guy and dated him for a month. Like they were they were actively seeing each other. They go to a baseball game. He gets drunk. They go back to her place and the next morning her car and her are missing, but her phone, purse, wallet, everything's at her house. So her mom comes, her ex-husband comes because he's dropping off the daughters. And they're like, we can't find her. They text this guy that she's dating. He doesn't answer. Come to find out, long story short, this guy that she had been dating for a month was homeless, an alcoholic, got drunk, killed her, drowned her in her bathtub, chopped up her body, and um, like put all of the parts in separate recycling bins all around seattle yeah this is our episode that's coming up on monday and he claims that he doesn't remember doing any of these things yeah and they were dating for a month and courtney and they're like how do you not know he's homeless like 
how but like how would you find that there's just yeah i, I feel like how i don't you know i think it's actually we don't want to victim blame her at all like yeah. she trusted what it's she oddly it's oddly understandable which because you would think that it i feel like it's maybe a little bit easier in our age group like i find that if i'm going to date somebody i know i have at least one mutual friend but i feel like it's a little bit different in a different if you're not in the like the young millennial gen z experience it's like if exactly as you were saying earlier if you put on a fake name and you don't give your entire backstory yeah. and you put up fake images like you really don't know who's you know who you're talking to i have a question about your time in prison did you notice that a lot more people that were coming in had crimes related to the internet what what do you mean the internet you mean like 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 broadest sense like oh i found this girl on craigslist or oh i you know stole from something i saw on facebook marketplace like did you notice anything where it was like oh that's that's a different way of going about that crime that's kind of new because of the internet well um i i Pretty general question <laughs> yeah because i i didn't i i think that there were crimes that started happening and i started note hearing about that weren't really crimes when i was out there or there they had you know, they'd obviously just start doing them more internet based, but it was the same type of crime. I'll give you an example for, yeah. um, so, you know, uh, there's a, the, the name they gave it was the drop. It's called it. They call it the drop. Like that's like the dark world kind of, you know, oh, he runs, he does it. He does the drop. Well, the drop is basically it's income tax fraud. So I get your social security number and your full name and I file for your income taxes before you can. And so I get a check for $8,000. Well, when it was initially being done, it was all paper. Like guys are mailing it in. Yeah. They're getting a check back. Well, of course, you know, as things became automated, you know, through the, uh, you know, through the internet, people started filing online. So they're filing online and then they're getting their, the, the, the money wired to them on green dot cards or, you know, prepaid debit cards. Yeah. So it became more and more web-based crime. And of course, you know, they can also put up kind of a backstops, you know, kind of wait yeah. to stop it. But, you know, these guys get around that. And then the ways they, they get around it are also internet-based. They start using, you start hearing about socket servers and yeah. um, different types of, you know, using spoof cards. Like there was no spoof card when I was out yeah. there. Uh, there was, and so the, there were more and more frauds where you were hearing about, I was like, well, how did you do this? They're like, oh, I used a spoof app. So they thought this and they thought that, or I had it overnighted to my house and, you know, and then I just, or overnighted to someone else's house and I just waited outside and I got the, the prepaid debit card out of the, um, out of the mailbox. And so now I have a prepaid debit card that was mailed to their house, but I grabbed it. And I was like, how did you know to do that? Oh, I, you can follow the tracking. You can track it the whole time on the website. And I'm like, oh, okay. So there were all these little things. There was a guy one time, and I've mentioned this conversation on my podcast a few times, where the guy was telling, kind of pitching his story like, hey, you know, because when I went to prison, I, I wrote, I was started writing guys true crime stories. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I did. I wrote like eight books and wow. about 24 
23, 24 different synopses of true crime stories. What um book deals, you know, I was doing all this for Myth Risen too. That's crazy. Right. So I that's why when I got out towards the towards my last few years, guys are telling me, you need to do a podcast. And I was like, a what? Oh yeah, because you were in prison for 14 years. You were like, what's a podcast? I mean, YouTube had just come out a year yeah. before. I'd never been on it. The word podcast wasn't even invented until like 2010 or 11. Wow. So, so you just heard the word Instagram and you were like, guess I'll figure that out later. Exactly. But you talk to guys, guys are, but guys are coming to me saying, you need to start a podcast when you get out and tell true crime stories. You're a great storyteller. And I was like, okay, I don't, what's a podcast? They were like, oh, well, it, it's kind of like a, like a radio show. And I was like, oh, it's live. And they're like, no, it's kind of like this. And they start explaining and I'm, Makes no sense to me. I was like, but I, like you said, I'll figure it out. Yeah. So I remember, so guys were constantly coming and pitching stories to me because yeah. I'd gotten some guys in Rolling Stone magazine and, and optioned their film right. Wow. And, and and so now guys are thinking, hey, everybody thinks they have a story, right? Like, I've got a great yeah. story. You got to help help me out, write my story. I was like, uh, what's your story? Yeah. So I had a guy one time tell me about his story was, I think he got like half a million or a million dollars by defrauding um, I, uh, uh, Apple. So what he did was he would have people open up a corporation. If you had a corporation, you could go into the Apple store and they would give you like 10 phones on your corporate account. Wow. So he'd get the 10 phone. He yeah. would then pull the SIM cards out and then he, he'd send them overseas for like five, he'd get 500 bucks a piece. Yeah. And, um, and so these people, he would pay those people like a hundred bucks, they'd make like a thousand or two thousand dollars for their, you know, sometimes they'd open up a couple different yeah. uh, corporations and he'd send them off. And I think he did it to the tune of like close to a million dollars, half a million to a million. Well, when he's explaining it to me, I remember he kept saying, you know how in the iPhone, you know how in the iPhone, you know how in the iPhone. And I finally like, stopped him and I said, bro, I said, stop saying that. I said, I've never seen an iPhone. Wow. Like, and so no one even snuck them in. Like you would, you didn't even see him. No, I oh no, and I'd never seen one other than being maybe on TV. They didn't come out till what two thousand nine. Yeah, the first ones remember the first, and they weren't like hugely were popular, but they weren't like everywhere. Yeah, I know. So, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I'm sure there are certain crimes where you're just like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about or how yeah. you did that, and I can't wrap my brain around it. That's so wild. Yeah, the technology these days and the people that, like, I mean, the things that these kids are capable of. Courtney, actually, um, we were talking about this recently. There's this video on Instagram, and or it was a TikTok, and this guy posts a sandwich. He's in New York City, and he's like, this is the best sandwich I've ever had in my entire life, and I'm gatekeeping it. I'm not telling you where I am. That was the TikTok he posted. A guy, duet, do you know what a duet is? Yes. Yeah, so, so he basically, like, like duetted it and was like, I will tell you where that is. He saw the photo of the bait of the sandwich, saw that there was a little bit of a light blue wrapper and then took the the portion above the guy's head and like kind of looked at that and saw what kind of building it was. So based on the wrapper, he was able to look up certain like delis in New York City that had that specific wrapper 
Google imaged all of the restaurants, found the specific one that he was sitting in, and he was able to say, you are at this exact restaurant, and then he walked 100 feet across the street to sit and eat it at this spot. Nice. And and in addition, the way that he did it, he sat at the exact table that the guy was sitting at and took the same amount of bites out of the bagel and laid the bagel down on the wrapper in the same way. So she just got out. And so that we can see that it's right, right. literally the same. Yeah, it's right. it's crazy. And it's, it's, it's scary to think what people are capable of because you're like, oh, that's a funny video. But the idea of like a celebrity posting, you know, a video of them and they're in their backyard. They're like, you know, I'm just enjoying a day. You can't really see their property. But people are able to look at the sky and go, okay, look at the telephone poles that are there. How are they placed? There's a tree exactly in between these. And they're able to find people. Nothing. Did you see the documentary um, Don't Fuck With Cat? Yes. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a it's amazing what people can do. Exactly. And those are just Joe Schmoes. Those right. are just people like you and me just at their computer on Reddit, just like, I'm just gonna look on Google images and Google Maps and I'm gonna find everything I can. And it's like everyone's a PI now. I, I think that what drastically changed from when I got out, one of the things about my crime is that my crime now, I realize my crime now where I had to go in the bank. Like there was just no way for me not to go into the bank, not to show my face, not to open corporate accounts, not to meet with lawyers and doctors, or not doctors, what am I, um, lawyers and and, um, closing agents and real estate agents. Like I had to meet with these people in person. It was just the way it was. But now I, I, my crime can be done by sitting in a Starbucks with a laptop. I can... I can view the house, rent the house, uh, open the bank accounts, uh, apply for the loans from the banks, close the loans remotely with using remote uh, notaries, uh, uh, notaries, notaries, I don't know what that is, notaries uh, at the closing because you don't have to go to, in most states, you don't even have to go to a closing anymore. You do it remotely. Yeah. And then have them wire the money to the bank accounts that you've opened and then have that money transferred onto prepaid debit cards. Uh, or you know whatever pre- prepaid cards or do anything buy crypto with it buy gold yeah. have the gold shipped to an abandoned house or right. to a house that you yeah. right I mean it like my crime could be done completely remotely now yeah and you know so that's one of those things that's just like like there's there's no aspect where anybody has to see me at yeah. this point so and to your point you could be a totally different person <laughs> right right well yeah. I mean, it didn't, I mean, it, as far as like, like identities are concerned, it, it didn't matter anyway, because I had fake identities. I had fake passports. I had, when I say fake, I mean, like they weren't fake. They were, I walked in the DMV and they gave me a driver's license or they gave where I, I got a, I, the state oh, department is shot. Yeah. Yeah. The U S state department issued me almost 25 or 24. Um, I've had 24 passports in different people's names. I've had 27 driver's licenses in different people's names. Wow. Yeah. What but you don't even need to do that. Can I don't, you, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I had, I got so many tickets as an, as a guy, I went to driving school as him. I, one time I, 
I stole someone's identity and then I changed his name, legally had his name changed. Why? I just want to see the process. I, <laughs> I had nothing to do. I didn't need it done. I didn't need to do it. But, you know, you never know. I just, you know, I'm bored. Screw this whole guy's life. Uh, fine. That guy's fine. They're like, your name is not James. It is Schwartz. And he's like, no, I think he his last name from Eckert to Johnson. And it was just to go just to go through the process. I just wanted to see what the process because I figured at some point I was kind of trying to figure out how to create an identity that didn't connect to anybody. Right. You know, so it's like part of that process is maybe I thought maybe one of the pro maybe it's getting somebody's identity, yeah. it's not using it, and then altering their name. And then maybe getting a new social security number issued to them. Like that would ultimately be a different name, different social security number. How would you get a different social security number? Because even if you change your name, wouldn't it still track? It, it would still track. But keep in mind, my, my fear was that this person might die. So if I were to, let's say I started surveying homeless people um, to get their information because they're not, they're not going to come across the fact that yeah, they're not at work. Right. So paper trail. Right. So if I interview you, if I interview, and what I did to do that was I would survey them. I'd say, I was a, I would say I work for the Salvation Army and we're, I'm taking, we're taking surveys to determine where we place our next homeless facility. And it pays $20 cash right now. And they'd be like, yeah, what do you need, bro? And I'd go, here's 20 bucks. And then they'd answer the questions. Then I'd go online and I'd order their birth certificate, social security card, driving record, where they went to height, their high school transcripts. And I'd register to vote in their name. Then once I got that information, I'd go into a DMV in a state where they never had a driver's license and I get a driver's license issued to me. Then, of course, I get a passport because why not? Um, and then, oh, yeah, I mean, they're not going anywhere. But I figured, you know, what I need to do is like, how do I get this? Like, I still have this guy's name. If I can change his name and then I would, my plan was I didn't get this far because I ended up getting arrested. You know, this was a like it was just little things I was doing, but yeah, probably so was, that far. <laughs> well, I think it would have worked. What? Okay, so here's here's how you can get your social security number changed. One, obviously, federal government, a, a judge can say this person needs it for identity or for safety purposes. Uh, the other thing you can do, so for instance, the witness protection program. Oh, right. Okay, a judge will sign off saying, "Look, they're changing his name. He's getting a new social security number," or. If you go to law enforcement and if you were to say, hey, I have identity theft and you show law enforcement where you've had your identity stolen, you got, have a police report. Let's say six months later, you say, hey, I cleaned in my, my identity up, but they stole it again. So if you can show three or four times over the course of a couple of years, you can go to you can go to Social Security Administration and show them the documentation and they will give you a new Social Security. Right. Because the idea is that someone took their social security numbers. And, and they're not giving out. Right, yeah. right. It, it's it's becoming a, a lifelong problem. Yeah. So if you did that and you changed your name, essentially you've now getting, you could go to another state and get driver's license, a driver's license, yeah. everything on your name. So if that homeless person dies, like, yeah. ha first of all, most of the time they die, they don't even know who they are. Yeah. You know, most of them don't have criminal records. So a lot of them die and they're just, you know, because this is a homeless person, he died and then they bury him. So I thought that way I could get a new identity. 
Another thing is stalking. If you're being stalked and you can show repeatedly that someone has followed you to multiple addresses, they you can also request social security changer. Yeah. But this these are things that take years and years. Yeah. So so getting a fake ID, fake passport, fake documents, what did that all cost you? Um, wait, what do you mean? Like I'm assuming you paid thirteen years. Like, I'm assuming you paid someone each time you had to steal an identity, or did you do it all yourself? No, no, I'm a, I'm a hands-on guy. I, so, oh. I I like would... Like, my fake ID from someone, but you just... Like, oh, no, no, no. No, no, what I did work... DMV. I worked at the DMV. It cost me $25. It cost me $20 to get his information. Because keep in mind, I want to trick the person into giving it to me. I don't want him to know he gave right, it to me. Right, right. He's not thinking, he's not thinking, hey, this guy's using my identity. No, he's thinking I did a survey, I got $20, and and two two years later, he doesn't remember doing that. So once I get his information, I get an ID or a driver's license. Once I have the driver's license, I then apply for a passport, and the U.S. State Department issues me a passport. And I've traveled on these passports. Like I've been to, while I was on the run, while I was number one on the Secret Service's most wanted list, I went to Mexico, Jamaica, Greece, Italy, Croatia. I mean, I I went, you know, and this is so I'm walking through passport control, giving them a passport, and they're like, "Hi, Mr. Eckert, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. How are you?" And they're like, "Business or pleasure?" I'm like, "Pleasure. You're on vacation." They're like. Damn. That's wild. So I guess what would your advice be to someone who's trying to be safe on the internet? Mm. I don't know. I had such a bad experience. I felt like they were they were too, they were being too vigilant. Um on, you, know, you know the problem is is that I think people in general, if they're if they're sharp they can fool you. Yeah. And, and and honestly, I'm such a huge believer in intuition. Yeah. Something doesn't feel right. It's not right. Like, like something's wrong and it's probably better to be safe and say, hey, you know, like, hey, let's meet at a public place. Hey, yeah. you know what? I know this is weird. Can I get a picture of your driver's license and send it to my friend? Like, let's face it. That person, one, if they said, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't feel right about that. I got it. I totally get you invasion of privacy i understand it was nice meeting you see ya mm-hmm. i have no problem giving away my driver's license yeah so if that that's odd so if you wouldn't do it and you understand that i'm a woman or i'm a man and i feel odd about the situation something's not right and you don't want to do that something's up let's go to the next one and and if the person really was thinking about harming you he's probably just going to move on to his next victim yeah, like you're not going to stop that guy. All you're going to do is have him move to the next house. It's like it's like putting an a, an ADT, um, you know, a little sign in your front yard. Like it's like, do I hit that guy who I know has an alarm, or go to the next one? I'm just going to go to the next one. Yeah, you know, because that's all you're really doing. You're not going to, you know, grab these guys and get to throw them in jail. You're really just saying move on to your next victim. Yeah, somebody's going to get victimized. So you say like. Don't be shameful about it at all. Ask for whatever information you want before. Why, why not? 
I don't see anybody being offended by that. Like if they were, you know, you probably dodged a bullet. If somebody was like, well, what's the big deal? What's the, okay, something's up. Like you're, you've got an attitude. Like you should be on your best behavior. Like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I don't know. I luckily, like, I feel like people in my generation kind of get it. Like some guy was like, oh, can I order you a drink? Like, cause I was running like three minutes late and he was like, oh, right. can I get you a drink? And I was like, no. Right. He was like, why? I was like, cause I like to see the bartender pour it. Right. And he was like, oh, I didn't even think about that at all. And I'm like, right. I know, but I have to, I have to think about these things. Right. Um, and now there's things that, you know, if you go up to a bartender and you say, you ask for an angel shot, they know to give you water. And if you ask for, I can't remember what it is. I should know it off the top of my head. But if it's like, oh, an angel shot, like with ice or on the rocks or something, right. then they know You're to call. Danger. Yeah, you need. They need to call the police. And I think that's such an amazing thing that all bars are doing now. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's scary out there. <laughs> What I look for when I would talk to guys and when I was in prison, because listen, you know, I, I'm really interested in unique stories because I hear, heard so many of them. It's like, if you're like, you're a poor black guy that was raised in the projects and your mother's kind of, you know, maybe she's, you know, doing tricks on the side and you're, you don't know, know your father, or maybe he's in and out of jail and he's a drug addict. And that story is, you know, tragic. And what's more tragic is probably that it, it's it's so common. Yeah. So stories like that, when I would hear them, I was like, you know, I get it. But what makes it unique? You know, like, tell me something that makes your story unique. Because, I mean, it's horrible. And I know there's a story there. And it, But it's it's like mob stories. Like, I've heard them all. There's just yeah. they, I, I'm done with mob stories. Like, I, I've, not, I've never written a mob story because I'm just not interested. Yeah. So many movies. And that story was like, okay, tell me something unique. So what was it? What makes it interesting? What makes it different than that guy over there? Or that guy, that guy. And that's what I thought. So I always waited for that. Like if the guy came and said, look, this is the story. And you're like, okay, okay. And he was like, and we were working with the head of the task force. We grew up with this guy. We were friends and he was telling us what drug dealers to hit. And we were robbing them with him. I was like, you're telling me you were working with the police to rob drug dealers and he's like right and he got busted and went to right then you're like now you've got a story you didn't have them before and that's how i felt when i listened to your episode i was like okay there, there's an affair something bad's gonna happen this woman's gonna kill her not i mean the, i thought the wife's gonna try and kill the husband or is going to but then you were talking to the husband and i thought well somebody died like i don't understand like oh the wife tried to kill him maybe he killed her like as it was going, yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure it out. And you know, when when you got to that plot twist, I was like, like that I just didn't see it. Yeah. And I love true crime because it it, it really is the whole you know truth is stranger than fiction because that was a great that was great. It came out of nowhere. You built up it it, it real you really liked the characters. You understood them. You felt for them. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. I, I wish Courtney was here to talk about this because I think what makes us feel so strongly about this podcast and why we care so much about making it um, good uh, is because, you know, I mean, we're actors like we met uh, getting our BFA in acting at the University of Michigan. So 
we know how to tell a story. That's literally our job is to empathize and tell a story as accurate and respectful as possible. So we always keep in mind, like the families are going to listen to this and they're all so recent. So these people's friends and families and loved ones are all very much around. They're all living their lives. So the thought of yeah, you know, we we just want to tell it as respectfully. You want to try to be respectful, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think our team could recognize that we were able to be good storytellers based on our training and just how we come at any text. Even if we come at a play, it's like, how do I make these characters real? How do I make the audience care about these people? And um, with I Met My Murder Online, it's obviously a little easier because they're real people and these are real stories that people need to hear and learn from. It's also a good, uh, the whole online thing's a good connection because so many people have dated online. Everybody can kind of empathize. They can kind of think, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Everyone needs to know how to be safe. Like, and, and to the people who don't feel like they need to be say you need to know how to be respectful you need to respect someone else's boundaries if they are trying to be you know as safe as possible and you're like well i'm obviously not going to drug your drink like calm down like no you should be respectful and understand what the dangers are yeah i was gonna say i mean the guy the guy and the husband in that episode he he didn't think he was in danger no and he didn't think that his wife was capable of that right and think about it. Like, you, even if it didn't happen to you, it's fine. You're, guess what? The your what what's probably going to be your new wife is now died. It now died. Yeah. You know, and even if it, it and she could have killed him. Like she was capable of it. Yeah. I mean, so, but she was. So, yeah. It's you just never know. Yeah, well, you don't know. Thanks. Yeah, you don't know it. I mean, love drives people to do crazy things. Yeah, we're a horrible species. Um, well, okay. Well, so listen, Jillian, I, I appreciate you coming on and Thank Courtney, you. and you were great too. It's yes. Here. I know. I will tell you, um, we'll put the link in the description box. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. Do you have any other, if you guys have any other social media that you want to push, yeah. you, can, you can send me the links and okay. yeah, uh, my editor will put it in there. Great. Yeah. I, you can follow me at Jillian Lee Garner and um, Courtney is at Courtney though. Hey, I appreciate you guys watching. Uh, do me a favor. If you are, if you are interested in checking out the, um, I met my murderer online, which I, like I said, I watched one of them. It was really good. Super interesting, super unique stories. Check the description box. Uh, we're going to have the link there. Also, if you like the video, do me a favor, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. So you get notified of videos just like this. Share the videos because that really helps me and leave me a comment in the comment section and I'll try and respond to the comment. You want to get in touch with me and you want to be on the show, you have a true crime story, then send me an email. My email is also in the description box. Really appreciate you guys watching. See ya.